Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Photographic Collective Podcast. Today's topic is a super controversial one, so buckle up. I'm really excited to hear uh, from you guys, the listeners, about what you have to say about this. But we're talking all about AI today and whether or not AI is coming to steal your job. Is it shrinking the world? Are robots going to take over everything? We we don't get quite that deep, but here's what I will tell you. Of course, I'm joined uh, by my good friend and producer, Jared Fincher. Um, my name is Miles Whitboyer. And, uh, and our guest today is back for a second time. Now, the first time that we had Jonas Peterson on this podcast was all about his rise to just global fame as a wedding photographer. How this guy went from a, uh, an advertising uh, guru into the world of wedding photography and, and just overnight blew up. But today is a little bit different because we're talking about his branch into a brand new medium. Now, if you've been living under a rock and you haven't kept up, this has been a pretty controversial topic in the, the global photography industry over the last year. Is AI art art? You know, we're going to dock all the way through it. We've got a great conversation with Jonas. So without further ado, uh, we're going to click right into that chat. Dude, well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to catch up, man. I feel like your life has changed so much since the last time that we talked. I come from a family of painters and uh, it's like, and I've been doing fictional work before I ever got into wedding work. Like for me, the stretch isn't, it's not a stretch at all. It's actually stuff that I've been missing doing. Like I, I got into photography at the same time I was offered jobs as a film director to do fictional stuff. So for me, people are like, why isn't he doing that stuff anymore? Well, <laughs> that was never meant to be my main gig. This, uh, like, I I wanted to become a film director, and uh, I was on a path to do that. I was represented by film companies and stuff that wanted me putting scripts in front of me and stuff. And then wedding photography happened, and then did that for fifteen years. But I always missed. Anyway, I don't know if we're talking now or not, but yeah, we are. But keep going. This is the good yeah, stuff. Yeah, the thing is that it's like like I'm defending myself. It's not what it is. I think that people don't understand my backstory and stuff like I let's just do the backstory to make it simple of course people yeah, ask you how do you end up where you are today and I think that I um I got a job in advertising when I was 24 um my dad's a, dad was a writer and um my mom's a painter and um and I got a job in advertising because it felt like I don't want to do what they're doing um I don't want to paint and I don't want to write uh, and I was like, advertising is somewhere in between. It's like telling stories and you work with film directors and photographers and stuff. And I didn't have to do it myself. So I did that and have a very successful career doing that. Moved around the world, uh, won all the awards and all that stuff. And then uh, got a bit disillusioned after doing it for 10 years. Um, so in 2007, after winning... A Cannes Grand Prix, which is like the Oscar of advertising, I sort of lost my mojo completely because I was like, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. And then I had all these offers to move into being a film director. Um, uh, and I was like, and at the same time, I was doing photography, which I had done for a long time. When I got my job in advertising, I picked up a camera because I figured I need to learn the basics of composition and uh, cinematography, basically, because one day I'm going to move into movie making. And I started doing that, and then I got out of advertising, and I went to a wedding, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like this, like this is an amazing day." And then I saw my friends' wedding photos, and I were like, 
and as you know, how wedding photography used to look, it was just like the most asinine stuff. And you kind of go, and my friends were designers and musicians and stuff. And I go like, what are you do? What are you doing in your photos? And they were like, that's what we do in wedding photography. That's what wedding photography is. It's like, does it have to be that cheesy though? And whatever. And I was like, well, that's what you get. And I started looking around because I've always, I'm a creative person. And then realized that there's, there's something here. Like you can tell stories in a much more emotional, realistic way and, and all that. And then I started doing that and the whole world exploded immediately. I started putting out one wedding and people were like, what is this? And then within a year, I booked, I was like 500 inquiries to shoot 50 weddings. And, um, I think about a year in, I was named on the top 10 photographers in the world. And I was like, whoa, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And then I had a production company calling me every week, said, we have a commercial job for you. I was like, can't do it. I'm flying to Bali or I'm doing this. And they were like, when you come back, there's some jobs for you here. And they're like, well, and then that went on for 15 years. Um, and the last five, I would say, I was starting to feel that I'd done everything I could do in wedding photography, not so much, but you know, you, I'm extremely um, competitive and I got in to wedding photography for the right reasons, which was to tell real stories instead of advertising bullshit that I was doing. And um, also to show real people, real emotion and all that stuff. And then, but 10 years in, I sat down myself and was like, I read a book, I read a book called Talk Like Ted and there was something in there that's, was talking about trying to break down why you do what you do. What are you passionate about? Um, and one of the things is like, what do you like doing? Oh, I like shooting people on their wedding day and stuff. What are you passionate about? Telling telling emotional stories. And then I realized, that, like I was had an epiphany, I realized, man, I'm in this because I like telling stories. I am hijacking someone else's wedding day. Not hijacking, I'm doing it, but what I'm into doing is telling emotional stories. And I'm doing it at someone's wedding day. It just happens to be the vessel that I use to tell stories. And and that's okay. It wasn't like I was, I'm not doing anything bad, but but I realized that I still want to tell fictional stories. Um, so I started getting back into um, learning more about video and um, I, I was teaching my storytelling workshop and stuff. And, and I was just starting to look at other things I could do. Um, and then COVID happened, as everyone knows. And I'm in, I was 90, 98% destination weddings uh, and about 90% international weddings. So everything was just disappeared overnight. I couldn't, I hadn't, didn't have a job for, for a long time. Um, and then, so I was like, I went full in on my education stuff, my um, online workshops on storytelling. And that went really well and, and um, kept me more than afloat. I made more selling my educational content uh, those two years than I had done for my wedding work the years prior. So I was like, okay, this is cool. But I also started feeling that I am teaching the stuff that I was trying to get out of. Uh, so even if I can teach this and I can sell this, but you're still like... You know, you want to get out of an industry and you're teaching it. <laughs> so it's like, well, and then I started playing around with, I've always done art um, aside from photography. For me, 
photography very quickly became work. And I stopped using a camera for art, which I had done before. Before I started wedding photography, what I did was did a lot of experimental stuff. I was shooting Polaroid stuff that was lifting emulsions and that sort of stuff and creating fine artwork with photography. That's how I got into it. And once I started shooting weddings, I lost all interest in using, especially digital photography, as a tool for creating art. It was just like me bringing my DSLR out for fun was just, it wasn't happening anymore. But I still have always created artworks and stuff and uh, using a lot of mixed media stuff and uh, all my personal work for the last 20 years have been analog stuff. Um, Analog cameras, Polaroid cameras, um, printing on weird materials and that sort of stuff, printmaking. And that's where my, not my background, but my family background is. My mom used to print on materials and whether it's fabrics and blah, 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 all that stuff. So I come from a family where we create shit from stuff. Um, I've also always loved techie stuff. Um, I was very, like, I'm interested in techie stuff and internet. I was very fast onto social media, which was fairly like the major reason why I got made myself a name in wedding photography was because I had 300 followers, uh, 300,000 followers um, the day I shot my first wedding, before I shot a wedding. So I had followers that followed me um, and I had social media and I was good at, you know, just building an audience and I knew how to do that. And then my background in advertising and blah, 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 all that stuff. And then AI started coming onto the scene and it was really bad. <laughs> like, I don't know if, if you were done in the AI, but the first <laughs> stuff that came out, it's just like, it was like you wrote stuff and it came back a blob that looked, resemble a person. That's like, been our experience for sure. Yeah. I can't do anything with this. And this is, this is not, <laughs> but I was still playing with it because I like techie stuff. And I was like, okay, if this gets good, then fun to play with. And then in October, October, I think November, man, I can't believe it's just last year. Yeah, a year ago, a, a bit more, maybe October last year. Uh, a tool I'm using called Midjourney released a new version called Midjourney version four. And it was overnight, it was like, it went from, this is not usable for anything to, holy shit, this is like, you can create fictional content that's, not photography, because it's never going to be photography. It's And I, people who are pissed off with what I'm doing, it's photography. It's not photography. It has nothing to do with photography. It's like comparing uh, a novel to a documentary. It's like there's two different things. They can coexist. One is documentary, the other one is fiction. Do you like yeah. movies? I love movies. Do you love going out, talking to people on, on the town? I do that. They are not the same thing. It has nothing to do with each other. Yeah. You like PlayStation? Yeah, I like PlayStation. I like spaghetti too. They're two different things. Like, I don't get why people are so upset and butthurt. I am because people think it's a threat to photography, and it can be. But people, anyway, let's not go on a tangent. The thing is that real photography that's documenting something is always going to have a place. I was just wanting to get into more fictional work. Um, I've been writing fictional work. I've been writing scripts. And then all of a sudden, AI was just like, wow, I can create fictional imagery here. Uh, 
I can do stuff that I have in my head that I don't have to go to a florist. I don't have to travel to Sahara. I don't have to hire two camels. I don't have to go to Palm Springs and shoot um, two gay guys standing in front of whatever. Like, yeah. And I felt like, man, the ideas that I have that I would be too afraid to do, uh, this, that doesn't represent me or my brand. I can just do play with whatever. Man, I want to do some old, old mermaids and stuff. And um, I put together, this is like, and I was sitting and I was like, I told my wife, I was like, this AI stuff just, something happened overnight. And she was like, okay. And I said, I think I'm going to focus on that for a bit. Because we were making almost no money. And she was like, well, you need to make money. I was like, uh, yeah, I need to just go down this side path for, for a bit. And then I put together a series of, 10, 15 images with old people that were very fashionably dressed. Um, and I put it on my personal uh, personal Facebook account, uh, just like anyone else's Facebook profile. And um, and I had been doing that for about a month or so, saying that AI is coming along or whatever, just for fun. Um, and then I posted it and went to sleep. And the morning after I woke up and had been shared 40,000 times, um, be shared by Martha Stewart and Sharon Stone and a ton of people. And uh, and my, you know, on Facebook, you have friends and then people can follow your account. Um, just as a, and I looked at that and it was like 50,000 followers. And I was like, that's weird. It's like it was at two and a half thousand yesterday or whatever. And it's at 70,000 now. And I, I have always been good at seeing opportunities. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to just pursue this for a bit. And then I created some more series and stuff. And then very quickly, people said, where can we buy these? And I was like, well, I didn't consider that. Um, I would want to buy prints. And then I got a call from a very big museum in the US. And they were like, we'd like to exhibit your works. <laughs> and I was like, my works? And I've done this uh, on my phone in my bed. Um, but very quickly, I was like, okay, there's, there's something here. And they were like, yeah, we understand it's AI. That's why we want to exhibit it because we're at a, we're seeing like a paradigm shift in image making. And, um, and one thing I've always been good at is being, seeing when the train is about to leave the station and, uh, and being first on. And also being, if I'm early on doing something, it's like the pyramid thing. If I'm at the top of the pyramid, the pyramid is going to grow. I'm still at the top of the pyramid all the time. Like I'm, I'm going to be the guy that people look at. Um, so I very quickly went, okay, I'm going to do this for a bit. And I started an Instagram account. It's almost a year ago, exactly. Um, it was at zero people. Obviously, when I started, it's, I looked at it just before we went on now. It's 377,000 people now. Um, so it's grown about 400,000. So it's almost like, a thousand people a day for, for a year. Um, sometimes more. Some days you wake up and it's 20,000 more. But it, it's not any value, as anyone knows. It's just what a followers doesn't keep you afloat or uh, provide for your kids or family or whatever. Um, and I had had a print shop before for my personal work, my um, fine art Polaroid stuff. Um, and I started looking. It was, I do research like any... When I get into something, I'm like, what can I do with this? What? And I saw that a lot of people are selling stuff on Etsy and stuff. Oh, you can buy buy prints for $49 or whatever. And I'm like, nah, 
because the people who contacted me were collectors and stuff, fine art collectors. And they were, I got contacted by a fine art um, manager guy in New York. And he said, I, I launch artists and uh, I launch, um, there's someone knocking at the door here. So that's why. Um, and um, I launched this artist. I launched um, a ton of artists that we, and I was like, okay. Uh, and I would like to help launch you. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, and we started talking and he was like, this is this is the process we're doing. You're, you're, you should sell your stuff, but you should not, you're not selling prints, you're selling art. Um, and you should price them as you're, as a, an artist. Um, and you want to do that and we want to sell out. And so you gave me sort of a strategy and, uh, and I was like, what do you mean? What should I sell them for? You should do limited edition series and you should sell them for thousand bucks each. And I was like, a thousand bucks for stuff that I do on a like, computer or whatever? And I can churn them out? And it's like, yeah, but you should not churn them out. You should just do limited. Anyway, long story short was that he decided to not do it because it was so controversial because AI was both coming and becoming something and also being super controversial in as it is. Um, people are, you're not creating anything. Well, um, we can argue about that. So he was like, it's the traditional artist that he's working with is going to, it's going to fry him basically if he starts working with an AI guy. And I was like, I'm not an AI guy. I come from a family generations of artists like that's, uh, but that, that doesn't, people don't read beyond, uh, whatever my name, I got someone commenting now saying, don't call yourself a photographer, you asshole, just, just before we went on. I was like, Merry I've Christmas. 20, <laughs> I've been a photographer for 27 years, dude. I don't know how old you are, but I've been doing it for a while. Um, anyway, but he pulled out and then I just kept going on my own. I don't have anyone representing me and stuff. And then um, I looked at people with print shops like Max Wanger, who's a wedding photographer, who transitioned into do selling prints. Um, people with high-end print shops. I looked at people with who are selling art, anything from, um, like I said, Max Wanger starting not low-end, but to people like Damien Hirst, who's one of the most biggest artists in the world, who's good for $500 million. And like the range of where we are and um, how people are selling art and... Uh, I found some guys, uh, there's a guy called Mark Majori, who's a painter, for instance. Um, and he has 500,000 Instagram followers and normally artists aren't really doing that sort of stuff. But he, I looked at him and he sells Western art, basically paintings of Western art. You can think what you want of that, but the dude sells, he sells <laughs> insane amount of prints. His paintings sell for hundreds of thousands, but his prints, he sells them for like, I've done research and he, he does sells about 8,000 print orders every time he opens his shop. But their shop is open for 36 hours, sells 7,000 orders, makes millions of dollars. And then the shop is closed and he has it open twice a year. And I'm like, wow, dude, that guy is killing it. So I decided to, because people were like asking me, can we buy these prints and stuff? And I was... I was making excuses and I was saying to my wife, um, it's just shit I do on my, f like AI, it's just stuff I do, right? It's just like uh, for fun and I can't sell this or whatever. And she said, and other people said, no, don't, don't treat it that way. Like treat it seriously. Treat, if you're going to do something, treat it seriously. Stop saying it's 
stuff that you do for fun or whatever. If you're going to do it, do it properly. And I was like, okay, let's treat this properly then. And then, um, so I decided to put together a series of 15 images um, in series of 15. Um, and I, everyone was like, okay, you should price them this or that. And I said, let's just sell them for 1500 each and see how it goes. Um, and the prints were 24 by 36. Um, and I had started a mailing list. That's people who are into the art world will tell you that's the best way to get into selling stuff. And then I um, said, okay, we're going to sell them on the 1st of February. Uh, we opened the shop. And I just told my wife, like, if we sell 10 of these, dude, we have $15,000. That's like, we're good. Like, we're set. <laughs> we don't have to worry about rent and stuff, which we were at the time. And uh, opened up the Shopify store and all that sort of stuff. And... Uh, and sold out in 90 minutes. Um, so we sold all 15 times 15 um, for $1,500. Yeah, so um, I'm bad at math, but I think we ended up around $225,000 or whatever that is um, in 90 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> and I said to her, okay, this is what we're doing now. It's like, um, this is like all of a sudden we made more money than we have in the last couple of years. So it's like, uh, Yeah, 225,000. Um, and I could sit there and I looked at the ticker on the Shopify store. I don't know, I have a live feature and you see how much money is coming in. And it's just, it was just ticking up. And I was like, whatever I think about this thing, whatever I think, if this is a serious thing or not, it just became serious. Um, mm -hmm. and, That's a powerful um, statement. Yeah, I mean, and I, there is anyone who's been doing what we do or as photographers or struggling anything if you can do something and get paid two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in doing something that you're pretty good at then i'm like i'm not gonna not pursue that uh, you know if someone tells me you make the best fucking pasta in the world and want to pay me thousands of dollars for that i'm like okay i'll, I'll try that for a bit you know i'm not stupid um Anyway, so, so and then I kept going and then I kept, and this is what also what I've done. So people think it's such a stretch. I am an idea person. Um, I got hired in advertising to create ideas for campaigns and write stuff. And this is what I did for 10 years and what I was awarded for doing. Um, so I am an idea person. Um, and for me, that's what I've always done. When I was in advertising, what was frustrating for me was that I would have an idea, you sell that to a client, and then you would have to get directors on board, photographers on board, illustrators on board, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And um, there's beauty in collaboration, but there's also frustration in that when you have a vision of how you want something to look. Even shooting a wedding, anyone would know, like this is how I'm seeing what we're gonna do, or you hope that they'll behave in a way that's gonna look good on camera or whatever. Never happens. Like it, it's not. It's just the nature of people and collaboration. It's like a like a game of telephone. You know, uh, you tell them the director what your vision is, and then it comes back, and you know, it never really ends up the way it is. So for me, what happened with AI is I compare AI to the job that a film director does. Like, would you, people say like, oh, you're not you're not doing any, you're not an artist or whatever. Yeah, but would you argue that Steven Spielberg is not an artist or doing artistic work? Like, he does none of the acting, he does none of the camera work, uh, 
He does none of the makeup or the clothes. He doesn't say, he hasn't done anything in Saving Private Ryan. Zero things in that movie. And yet he is the brain behind it. And to me, AI is exactly the same, but instead of having a makeup artist, a director, a photographer, a light person, a set art, setup, you know, set designer, all of that is done by the AI. I am instructing it to do whatever it is I want it to do. Um, so it's the same thing. What do you want to call that? I don't give a shit. I honestly could not give a crap what people what people want to call that. I am directing a collaborator to do the work that I wanted to do, and then I use my skills as a photographer, as a retoucher, to create big-ass prints. Um, these prints uh, are ranging from small to ginormous, like 50 by 70-inch prints. Um, wow, that's awesome. Do you mind me asking, Jonas, because uh, I'm, I'm mostly curious, you, you mentioned this early on, like, just a few years ago, this looked like garbage. Right, I mean, it was yeah. just. I mean, some, it, the, people, some people still think it does. So, well, the speed that it has shifted is 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 unbelievable. But yeah, yeah. there's a real talent here. There's a real skill set into how you're writing the the prompt. It, it is also to me, it's a perfect storm of what I've always done. It's like to what I was bad at starting out as a photographer was probably pre-visualizing something like you'd. In the beginning, you just point your camera at something, you know? In the end, I would see the finished image before I put my camera to my eye. I could see, I know what it looks like with my bare eyes, but I know how I can I can shoot, uh, for instance, I can put a subject in, in direct light and everything else is going to be underexposed, obviously. So you see that stuff. So being able to pre-visualize something is a skill a photographer has to have it depends but if you're depending on what kind of work you do it's, it's a good skill to have and the same thing here is like to be able to know know what i want like to say oh, i want some fun f- fun images of old people no no i know ex- specifically where how they're going to stand what type of lighting and all that sort of stuff because you know you see things differently as a photographer um i think because you just see the scene in a different way and it's going to be side light this or backlit or um, what type of backgrounds and all that sort of stuff. And to be able to then, that's the first step. And then to be able to translate that into how do I describe this to a non-human collaborator who doesn't understand anything else than what you're describing to it. Um, that is, took a lot of trial and error. It's, it's true that people say, I mean, I got attacked by well-known people in the industry. I'm not going to bitch about that right now. But um, it's true. It's super easy to create an image with AI. It is super difficult to make something that's good. <laughs> you just go and look at the galleries that there's... If you go to Midjourney, they have an Explore page or whatever. 99.9% is absolute garbage. It's just Darth Vader in Wes Anderson movies or girls with uh, leather bikinis standing in the post-punk, this or that. It's like, just because it's easy to create an image doesn't make it easy to create something that's good. It's the same thing with any art. It's like saying, I could do that. Yeah, but you didn't and you can't because creating good art takes more than just churning out an image. You need to know what what is good to begin with. You also need to have an 
sense of aesthetics and you need to be a good curator of the stuff that's being thrown at you by the collaborator knowing the same thing as you call your own wedding photography stuff like you know you know what image is good and what's not and you it's a non-tangible thing you feel something this is doing this is an image that's doing something and i've always been if i have a skill set is it is that to know what has an impact or whatever and how to put a story together and how to create work that's going to affect people on a on a cerebral level and and on an emotional level instead of it's easy to make an a image in ai we have a why am I the one that's doing well doing it? And so many people are saying it's easy and they're not doing well at all. It's not that easy. It's easy to create an image, yes, but to do something good is it's not that easy, to be honest. Hey, y'all, I'm going to interrupt this uh, this fascinating interview for just a hot second. So don't fast forward beyond this. I promise it'll be worth your while to listen to it. Hey, I know so much of our industry is just hyper frustrated with the way their color looks straight out of camera. I don't know if you're like me, but buying and searching and trying to create my own presets over the course of the last 10 years has been one of the biggest headaches because I see all these new trends and all these new ideas. And listen, I have a hard time making up my mind. It's the single biggest reason why over the course of seven months, I sat down with both Jared as well as our buddy Greg Peterson with G Presets to create the essential pack, the abide preset pack by Miles with Boyer Presets. You know, it's for sale now. It's a mix of color and and black and white presets, as well as, trigger word here, AI tools that are made to just streamline your workflow and your process and create a timeless, life-filled look to your work. Hey, for more information on that, just click over to gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets. That's gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets. Or of course, just DM me at Miles with Boyer on Instagram and I will set you up with the info. It, it seems to me that it's, I mean, it's, it, it's cheap. It cheapens the whole thing to not understand that mimicking good in any medium is easy, right? Like, like yeah. tracing Michelangelo is an easy process, but that doesn't mean the, that you are Michelangelo, yeah. right? So, so I guess to, in that vein, yeah. then how would you recommend to people? Cause I, I just am curious here, like let's take the prompts aside. It sounds like there's a fair amount of pre-production in this for you. Like how would, how do you recommend somebody do something that is like, truly novel like the the courage or i don't even know if it's courage in your in your case jonas it's more like the audacity dude to look at something and say i'm just gonna try this just to see where it can go and then you then you step through that tiny door and you're like no i'm gonna go through the next door i'm gonna go through the next door and the fact that the whole world may be running through doors that you have opened now and they're all saying it's easy you had to open those doors how do you how do you muster up the audacity to do that? I think I have. I don't have a filter uh, in a sense that I've always felt that, and I don't mean I don't mean this in a. I think I can be the best in the world at something. When I started wedding photography, the idea wasn't to be the best wedding photographer in the world, but I don't see that I couldn't be. Like, why not? It's like I don't have a li- I don't have self limitations in that way, and for me. That's a good thing. It means that I can try and be as good as I can be. I'm not going to limit myself in what we can try and create with this, what we can... Uh, and I mean that in... in the, I want to stretch my creative muscles as much as I can. Uh, and I did that, tried to do that in wedding photography. 
and I try and do that here, if you limit a tool to being something that's whatever you, whatever you want to call it, then um, that is where you're going to be. You're going to put yourself within those limits. This is a this is a, a tool for creating simple, shitty images that uh, no one's going to want to look at. Well, that's what you want to create. If you look at it, this is a tool that I can create art that's going to make people cry and and buy my pieces for five, six thousand dollars per print. Then you you do that. There is a it's like the people who are talking about. I don't believe in the art. What's it called? The art of attraction, whatever. The, the rule of law of attraction. Like you have to visualize it for it to happen. And for me, it was like, no, I'm going to sell these prints. Um, I said to I said to my good friend Paul. I think I mentioned to him. I said to her, him, and I said to my wife. When we did that first print sale, I said, well, I'm going to sell for a million dollars this year. And everyone was like, yeah, dude. You're going to, and then again, people are like, you're going to say, a, sell AI prints for a million dollars? That's just A, that's just... And I did. We sold for a million bucks. Um, we're at 1.1 now. Uh, and the month isn't over yet. So, and the reason, I think that if you limit where you can take something, that's where you're going to end up. And the whole for the you know the moon or you might end up at the treetops or whatever the saying is it's not that but it's something like that and I've always felt like treat this take it as far as you can um, and, and for me I'm not I don't want to shy away from the fact that I'm into something for not just for the pure creativity of it I want to make money I want to provide for my family um I want to make sure that they have a comfortable life. And this is, if I can find something that I enjoy doing, um, that I can make money off, I'm all in. Like, I'm, I'm not going to make apologies for that. Um, and that's, and also, I understand that people think it's a threat to other industries and stuff, and that is true. Um, the, the thing with that is that... Um, there's, also, there's truth to that. For instance, people saying like, you're, there's not going to be any need for florists, for instance, for a commercial shoot. I've done a series with people wearing massive flower um, pieces and stuff. Um, and people comment and saying, you just, I'm a florist or I'm a, I do these things, headdresses for film shoots and stuff. And there's not going to be any work for me anymore. And that is true. Um, and the same thing with commercial photography is going to be dead very, very soon. Like there's no reason to use commercial photography because you can... I did something yesterday, for instance, where I used a very basic illustration um, that I used in another type of tool I'm using today. <laughs> and it took the illustration and made a real, a real photo out of it. It's absolutely banana. So you can draw something um, and then it makes a photo out of that thing. And the application that I can have to so many industries, it's just like anything from, it's called pre-vis, for instance, in, in architecture. Like you can draw something very basic and then the computer just creates a real live version of that. And so for me, I'm not sure that I'll be doing AI prints in five years time. For me, it's just, I'm doing this now and yeah. it's providing, Season. it's a step, stepping stone to yeah. whatever is next. And, and I've said you know this what? all along. Same thing, like here, I was like, 
I'm doing this now. It's not like I've gone all in and I'm going to be an AI artist in 40 years. That's not what's happening. Like I had, I've had meetings with Hollywood. Like, and they're like, "Can we want you to write a show on these characters that you made?" And it's like, everything you do can lead to something else. And the thing that people are sticking, staying in their box too much. And I think that. I'm just opening eight doors and hoping that uh, someone's going to come in from something. And I've talked to museums and film production companies and Hollywood and um, someone wanted me to come and do the costumes for an opera in France and stuff, stuff like that. And how am I going to say no to that stuff? Like the, it's my, my childhood dream is to, pre- to create things for fun projects. Um, so yes, I'm using the AI, but for me, I will say the thing, and it's not, for me, It's that's just a tool to create something else. So for me, it's a tool to create prints. It's a tool to create a clothing line, which I'm in talks to doing with a company in Singapore. It's a tool to create um, a show on TV. It's a tool, It's you can hate that it's AI and call it plastic fantastic, whatever. It's a tool to take it somewhere else. Uh, it's a tool to create tangible art for people to have in their homes. It's a tool to make clothing that people can wear. It's a, so it's, that's what it is to me. Um, and I, if I get that people are upset about it, but I'm also like, I'm here doing well doing it. You can stand back at the station and be the angry man with a fist in the air. It's like people said, I'm never going to use Spotify because the music industry doesn't, you know, they don't the artists. Who's not using Apple Music or Spotify or whatever? It's like you get on board. You're going to be behind. Whether you want to use it for everything or if you want to. And then I get what people who are photographers see it as a threat. And it is a threat. But you can enhance photos and you can pretend you have a bride and groom and they're now in Iceland or whatever. Yes, that is that the crossover between reality and, and real stuff is. A problem. The same thing with deep fake stuff and all that. And it's always going to be anything innovative is going to be used for good and bad. Um, and it's going to be a crossover time where people have an issue with that stuff. But I bet you in five years time, I mean, AI is in everything. AI is in your phone. Uh, I couldn't get by without using uh, the keyboard correction stuff, for instance. Like, you know, if I write on my iPhone, it looks like I am absolutely have the brain tumor just before <laughs> if I don't have that uh, correction on you know yeah you know i was i was talking jonas about you um to a, another photographer it's funny that you bring this stuff up because some, i was talking to a to you specifically about you to another photographer friend of mine who was yeah. um <clears throat> who was comparing what you're doing essentially to to this this idea of like it's shrinking the industry right it's like it's yeah. it's hemorrhaging parts of the and these people's jobs and their livelihoods and and it was funny because I said, um, and I know you know this name well. I don't know if you guys are friends or not, but I, but I said, you know, would you say that about Jeremy Cowart? Yeah, yeah. And they just sort of stopped and sat back in their chair. And I was like, don't you re-? like? I remember Help Portrait. I remember when Jeremy Cowart was shooting seniors yeah. and weddings, and um, but nobody's nobody's climbing all over him for these these wild new ways that he's experimenting with with creating art. And yeah. or maybe they are, but it's not quite as public. Um, and so think, let me, yeah. so let me ask you this. So where do you see this going? Not, not, not necessarily just for you, right? I understand like 
you're the kind of artist that I think you're going to, when you see the exit ramp that takes you into whatever comes next, it sounds like you're, you're, you're ready to take that. But where do you see AI art heading? I don't, the thing is, I mean, I can go on and on about this. I think that whenever there's innovation, uh, in any, let's talk about art. Um, a lot of the art that you think is uh, not you, but people are going. Oh, this is real art. This is this is you know Vermeer. He painted uh, this or that, or a lot of painters that people know, like the the Dutch painters and stuff. What they don't know is that they did not. They used something called a camera obscura. They used a thing and projected stuff on the wall and painted that stuff. That's why it looks so realistic. And people were bitching about that back then in the fucking 14, 1500s as well. And the same thing when the when the camera came on board, the first camera, people said, this is, this, this is not art, it's just pressing a button. And today we would say that cameras cannot be art. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's that of course it is. It is what you do with that tool. It is what you create with that tool. Is painting the same thing as photography? No, they're not comparable. It's, it's another skill drawing with a pen or a pencil um, than it is pressing a button on a camera. Agreed. There are two different things and they should not be compared. There are two different ways of creating art. Um, when the digital camera came, people said the same thing about that compared to film stuff. Oh, you don't have to go in the dark room anymore, whatever. So what? Like I, it is innovation, and innovation is always going to disrupt whatever is happening. Um, and disruption is part of the art history, and um, and that is why I think that it is disruptive. Yes, and that's it, I, I don't want to say get over it because it it is disruptive, and it's going to disrupt a lot of industries. Illustration illustrators are more or less out of work, like I can create, I can mimic anyone's illustrative work and I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't use it as a tool to copy someone else's work. Uh, I know that people are already selling my stuff in China for no money at all by just lifting my Facebook photos and then blowing them up to same size as I do. So I sell my prints for $5,000. You can buy it for $55 on Etsy. It's like, that's always gonna happen. And I think AI is gonna be huge in in that way, in a bad way, that you can just, you can copy anything and blow it up. You can do that already. You can lift an image off, off the internet and use gigapixel AI and then you have a large format print. You couldn't do that a year ago, but you can now. And the same, but where is AI art gonna go? It's gonna go in the same direction as any art has always gone. It's gonna be, um, the good artists are gonna do good work with it. Uh, bad people are gonna do bad stuff with it. It's going to be used for good and bad, um, and that's just the way it is. And I think that the people, the good stuff generally floats to the top. That's what I'd say. And I think that I don't follow many AI artists, and I follow the stuff, the people that create interesting work. And after I've amassed sort of a follow people that I follow, I started looking into what they do, and nine out of ten were photographers. Um, using AI because it isn't that simple. Like you come into image making with no clue what, on what you're doing, you're not going to create good stuff. Like you don't have a clue what is a good image to begin with, like composition wise, um, 
the balance between colors and light and that sort of stuff. The people who do aesthetic work are aesthetic people. Doesn't mean that you can pick up, like I have a guitar, like, and if someone comes in, oh, I play a song on that and you give it to someone who's never played before. <laughs> They're not gonna be able to play. It's the same thing, it's the same tool. The thing with AI that makes it not tricky, but I get the thing is it it looks, it's easy to create something that has high production value. It looks like it's good, you know? That doesn't make it art. Like just because it's polished uh, doesn't make it good art. And what is art anyway? I don't want to even get into that. Like, um, and if people look at the content I do with AI, it is very similar to the content I've done before. Like, uh, not not looks right. It doesn't look the same. But I create work that move people in some way or another. Um, and the people who buy my art pieces write, don't even call them art pieces, call them print works or whatever, they write me and go, that feels like my grandmother or I had a dog when I was a child and that work represents something that I feel. And the same thing goes with what I did with my wedding photographer work. I always said to people, like, I am not the best photographer, but I'm really good at making people feel something for, for the works that I do. Like people felt emotionally uh, invested in my work. And the same thing is with this AI. I, I aim to use this computer tool to create works that are not feel computery. That feel like these are, this is real emotion, real people or whatever. You can argue there aren't real people. Yeah, but neither is Ahab or the neither is anything. Luke Skywars isn't real, but you still feel for him, whatever. Like, I take a better movie than that, but you know... You there think is this a is, better movie than that. We're connecting with no, so I many people know. on the Star Wars level. People, people cry at the notebook, and they love Noah and the notebook, yeah. or whatever. Like That doesn't mean... He's not real. Someone made that yeah. shit up. Yeah. And this is the same thing. The people I create aren't real. Okay, you guys, it's the last episode before Christmas. And uh, and so here's our little gift to you guys. If you get to the end of the episode and you fast forward past this, you're missing some of the good stuff. All right, so buckle up. Listen to me for just a hot second. It'll be worth your while. Hey, first things first. I know you heard the ad earlier in the episode, but I want to plug this one more time. Y'all, I spent seven months seven long months going over thousands of images from every camera sensor you can imagine to create the Abide preset pack. This preset uh, pack is a mix of color and black and white as well as AI tools that were built to simply breathe life into your images. We want you to have that pack. We want you to, to love it and, and, and experience it. And I can't wait to hear from you about what you do and create alongside Abide. So yo, for more information on that, just yeah, message me either at Miles Whit Boyer on Instagram or head over to gpresets.com slash product slash abide presets. You guys, this we could not possibly brag more on how proud we are of this preset pack. All right, now I'm mumbling, so I'm going to move on to the next one really quickly. Hey, uh, if you guys have ever seen photos of us working, you know that we are almost always carrying those super cool leather harnesses that allow us to carry two cameras at once. Did you know that the originator of that idea, I mean, like, I'm talking the backbone patent holder 
to that harness system is a good buddy of mine. His name is Matt Swagger. He's been on this show before. And actually, his company, Holdfast Gear, has allowed us to offer you guys a really cool discount all for Christmas if you guys will just use the code MWB2021. MWB2021 at Holdfast Gear on all the straps and card cases and bags and belts and all the cool leather goods that you need for Christmas. It's the perfect last minute Christmas present for your photographer friends. Again, that's MWB2021 for your discount. Hey, last ad for the episode. You guys, we have partnered with our buddies over at Bedford's Camera for years. In fact, my first professional camera that I ever purchased in in this career was bought directly from Bedford's. And since then, uh, right up until the point where I joined the Fujifilm team, all of my cameras and lenses and bags, accessories, cards, lighting, everything has come from Bedford's camera. We're just big believers in shopping local and working with uh, family-owned, cool, small industry people that care about you, the photographer. So hey, if you will use the code MWB at checkout, everything that you can buy at Bedford's, and I'm talking everything from any camera accompaniment you can dream up will give you a 5% cashback discount. Now that discount comes as a rebate. So you'll go ahead and check out. And then over the course of the next few days, you'll see that money, that cash back hit back into your account. Again, the code is NWB for 5% off everything. Y'all Merry Christmas. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful time. Thanks so much for listening. It sounds like a lot of the art is in the prompting. If I'm hearing it right, like, I mean, this is coming from your mind, like those prompts, make it specific to you because this is what's in your head that's coming to life yeah. from the AI. But this is, we were talking about, me and Miles were talking about this earlier. Like if we took, and you may not know this, but if we took the same prompt that you yeah. put in yeah. and we put it in in our, are we coming out with the same image? So the problem is, well, there's skill to knowing how to get consistent stuff out there. Um, uh-huh. but, you, but you can also say that the thing with AI now is, and this is what makes it, you can take one of the concepts that I've created and you can put that back into AI and ask it, create more of this stuff. And you can do that and it takes four seconds. You can do that. So the skill and where I have to be, it is, and the same thing what happened with when I got a, a lot of people in the wedding industry know that Sam Heard went after me and stuff and he said, I can recreate what Jonas did in 10 seconds. And that's the thing. That doesn't, Recreating stuff has always been easy. You can go to fucking Xerox machine and photocopy something. Go look, we have the photo here. Yeah, but that doesn't. You didn't make it. And the same thing is the skill is in having the idea. Creating the concept is where the skill is. I guess to that to that argument, you could the ring of fire is it's just a brass ring in front of the lens, right? I mean, once it's been done, it's been done, right? Yeah, and I can I can go out and recreate the ring of fire photo in five seconds, because he's mm-hmm. shown how to do it. It's yeah. not difficult. But but the skill is being the idea person. That is what you're sought after for. And hopefully mm-hmm. by also people respect that you're the original. People pay for the original instead of the Etsy copy. You can buy pillows with Bill Murray on Etsy for $14 and stuff. You know, it's just like, it's easy. Yeah. That's an, and I've, <laughs> I've actually done that. And you kind of go, you get back and get a shitty JPEG that someone's put on a pillow and they're like, I should have bought the original, you know? And that's what hopefully, and what happens is that the innovators will have to stay innovative. Um, then once it's out, once I create a series of old people wearing fashionable clothes or 
women with giant flower headdresses, someone can go, take that, put it into AI and get more of it. Uh-huh. That's yeah. possible to do. So you have to be you have to be the first guy. You have to be the new kid on the block. You have to be the innovator, which is pressure. But the thing with AI is you can recreate anything. Um, you can take original stuff and just make a copy and put it on your wall. It's not that I'm difficult. I'm curious, Jonas, where, where, like, where is your inspiration coming for some of this stuff? Wow. That's, so that's another pe- people are like, oh, well, how can I do, like, dude, I was... I was dragged around to every art museum in the world when I was a child. My uh-huh. grandma was a painter. My mom's a painter. I've been to all of them. Like art history is in my blood. Um, so for me, and and people people who know me know this as well. A lot of my wedding photography work was inspired by classic painting stuff, like uh, you know, really big oil painting that sort of stuff. A lot of my favorite photos that I took are very painterly. They look like, could be a big oil painting. So for me, that stuff is what I'm inspired by. But then, I don't, it was the same when I was doing wedding photography. Um, I don't look at the style of whatever I'm doing. Like I never looked at wedding photography. I never looked at wedding photography. Like. My friends were like, oh, did you see my wedding that I shot in Junkers? Nope. And not because I don't like it, but because I don't want to, I don't want to dilute what I'm doing with other people, what they're doing. Like if I, I looked at a long time ago and I do sometimes, it's not like, but I saw, we all know Gabe McClintock, who's a good friend of mine. He put out that, he did an engagement session in Iceland um, many years ago. And I looked at that and I went like, game over, dude. I'm, I'm not going to Iceland. I'm not I'm not gonna go. Because it's just it felt like I'm not gonna A, I'm not gonna do it as well. And B, I don't wanna do be like a weak copy of Gabe to do the same shit he does. So for me, I've always looked at if I'm gonna do wedding photography, I'm gonna look at fine art photography or I'm gonna look at paintings and that sort of stuff. And then I'm gonna pull that into my little box that I'm sitting in. And the same thing with this AI stuff, like it's just a tool. I'm not gonna look at AI artist and inspired by them. I, I, I'm inspired by the same stuff I've always been. It's like, you know, Elliot with Rodney Smith, all uh, photographers and uh, like I said, painters, um, that sort of stuff. I see a lot of Rodney Smith in your AI work. That's interesting that you bring that up. <laughs> I see a whole lot of that's several times I've seen your work and I'm like, man, this feels like a, it it feels like a computer animated version of a, one of his dreams. It's just so quirky and weird and yeah. Yeah, it's funny with Rodney, it's a funny side story. Uh, there was a workshop in New York called Workshop uh, a bunch of years back and uh, their first year they asked me, can you come and uh, be a speaker? But we also wanted to interview uh, a photographer on stage. And I said, yeah, I could do that. Who is it? It's Rodney Smith. <laughs> And Rodney Smith happens to be my all-time photography hero um, because his work deals with um, themes that I also deal a lot with. Um, He had an absent father, for instance. uh, So a lot of his work is very, has these um, parent figures in them that are doing weird things. Um, And I have a lot of inner child stuff that, like my dad, I found out my dad had cancer when I was 13 and I was never really close to him. So he always kind of 
have this image of uh, your parents and stuff. So I think a lot of the work you create is a, a dialogue with um, things that you've dealt with in your life. Um, and I talked to Ronnie about that on stage, and I said to him, because he's the king of quirky stuff, that's what the people say, like um, whimsical. If people say that, if you look up whimsical, Ronnie Smith is going to come up like the second name. Um, because that's what it is. And I asked him, is your work uh, dealing with your absent father? And he just looked at me and I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. And he's, and then we talked on stage for a bit. We couldn't really get into stuff, but he was said afterwards, like, uh, I'd love to talk more about your father and stuff. And I was like, man. And then he died, then he died two weeks after that. Um, so for me, I don't try and recreate. Here's the thing that I'm really, you can recreate stuff with AI really simply. I can put in, create this or that in the style of Rodney Smith, but I refuse to do that because it's it's that would cheapen. And I said that when I started Wedding Victoria. I don't want to be a karaoke artist. I don't want to create work that looks like Fair Duaristi. I don't want to be a shitty Jose Villa. I don't want to be that, you know? I'm not going to be able to do it as well as he does. Like, I don't want to be like some crappy karaoke version of, of them uh, because that's what you will end up being if you create work that they're already done. And I can say that people like Sam Hur did, or oh, I did this, Jonas did this stuff on a cruise ship. Here's my version. Yeah, good luck, Mr. Karaoke Artist. That's exactly what you just did now. You did not do anything new. You just did the same thing. And it's okay to do that. People are already coming in copying what I do. And that's how you learn in any industry. You learn... By getting into wedding photography, people say to me, like, I'm doing wedding photography because of you, and I tried to follow and I tried to copy you for the first three, four, five years. And that's how you learn how to get into something. But you have to step out of your own shadow at some point and you just go, what can I do? How can I leave my inspiration behind? Um, I don't think that I consciously use Rodney Smith, but he's forever post notes those images in the back of my brain. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this as we, I mean, cause I, I think probably, you know, we we're over an hour now, so I, I want to make sure we don't lose people before we get to, to a piece. Of, well, okay. Here's let me, let me back out Jonas. So the last episode that we did with you um, and let this, let this pump you up. Cause we've, we've, we've interviewed fair. We've interviewed, like yeah. we've done all the big guys, right? But <clears throat> the last interview with you is still the most listened to interview we've ever had on this podcast. Um, and so I can't, I cannot wait for, for people to hear this as a follow-up because last time you were talking about, um, about storytelling and, and this feels like it's just the next chapter of your story. So, so can you wrap us up by sort of saying like what your advice is to an entire industry, wedding photographers, portrait photographers, senior family, fine art, most of the people that listen to this podcast hold a camera for a living. What's your advice for, for how we can get out of our own way and just create something that is truly uh, unique to us as artists? Because you've done that now in several genres. Well, that's the thing. And I think that's the advice. You just said it. I can just reiterate it. Is that if you look at what... I did in wedding photography, but whatever that was, what people say that liked about my wedding photography work, I just took that, I applied my storytelling workshop, what I preach, and I applied this to AI. Um, 
So for me, I try and just do what I love doing before. And I just use the same tool and do it now. Like I, you don't have to think it's this, oh, is this hurdle? I have to get to learn this technology. The thing with AI, which is a lot of people are afraid to use it or whatever. Like it's very conversational. It's super weird. You're you're writing down, show me, blah blah blah. It's it's very non-techy. It's like you're um, if you can describe something, you can you can get something. Um, whether you want to do that or not, like I wanted to do fictional work. If you don't want to do fictional work, then AI is not for you. Like it, it's don't do it. But if you're interested in, like say you're, I wanted, I've always wanted to write a novel for instance, and I've always wanted to do work with filmmaking and not documentary work. I wanted to create, write fictional work and shoot it. If you're interested in doing that, AI is a fantastic tool to create the type of that type of work. I'm creating exactly the type of work I did before with the camera, or I'm trying to. So if you're passionate about whatever it is, you can create that work with AI. I also think it's liberating because, and people are complaining that it's going to kill a lot of uh, jobs and stuff. And it's true, but it's also going to open up. Imagine the people who had who have had no chance to tell stories. Someone in sitting in Idaho and want to tell a story about, you know, gay love or whatever, and they've been, I can't do that. I'm sitting in nowhere Idaho and I can't tell this story. With AI, you, the, it's easy to create something um, much faster than before. You, you don't have to have, there's no gatekeeper like Hollywood saying, that's never going to go on TV. You can create any shit you want. Um, so I think that there's going to be more stories told, more diversity, more diverse stories, more things about, I was want to take show photos of uh, mountain bikes and dragons. Go out and do that. Whatever you're interested in doing, um, you can do. And the thing is, people look at the people who are um, being successful at something. But I think the problem is, what are you passionate about doing? Like, it's fine to look at someone's work and go, I'm, I'm, he's doing that, he's successful at it, but is that what you want to do? You can go out and go, oh, Jonas is doing a series with dogs and, uh, and kids or uh, uh, old people with fashionable clothes. I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah, but then you're just the same thing. You're just being a karaoke artist. What are you, what do you want to create? What is really ticking for you? What, what are you passionate about doing? Um, and then use whatever tool whether it's a pen to write stories about that or cameras to go out and shoot it or create fictional work. Like, it's the same thing. You need to know what you want to do before you do it. I think that's the hurdle. It's like, yeah. I don't know what I want to do. Well, that's what you need to figure out. I that's know good. what I want to do. And word. I knew that with photography. What, yeah. How can I do what you do? You have to figure out what it is you want to do. Once you figure that out, the rest is easy. It's AI. It's easy to do. Figuring shit out before you sit down and do it is the yeah. difficult thing. Yeah. Huh. And it's the same thing with anything. Like, I want to do, I want to be successful. Well, it's the same thing there. People say, like, success is a matter of small steps. You cannot say, I'm going to be, I want to be the best, I want to be the most booked wedding photographer in America, whatever. You take a step. You book one wedding. You treat that wedding as this, your, your Super Bowl. 
and then you go up next Saturday and treat that wedding as at your Super Bowl. You treat people and you treat the jobs and opportunities you have with, this is the most important fucking thing I'm going to do this week. Um, and if you do that, people are going to notice the work you do. If you start looking at the end, end game now, then you're going to treat the work you're doing at this moment as it's just a stepping stone for me to get where I want to be. And if you're a photographer, it's the biggest problem you can have. People are like, I want to be shooting in Africa and stuff. But I'm shooting, I've got emails like that all over my laptop and they were like, love your work, saw your wedding in Kenya. I want to book a wedding in Kenya, but I'm stuck in nowhere in New Jersey shooting orange people uh, at the boardwalk. That, I have emails like that. And I go like, your problem is that that's what you think of your clients. If you go in and go, I'm going to shoot the best wedding I've ever shot for these people on the boardwalk in New Jersey on Saturday, that's all you can do. You can that's only awesome. treat... That's a good you know? chance. That's a good word. I like it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's easy, though, to, to lose track of that. I've lost track of that many times myself, but you have to come back and recalibrate and go like... Uh, and don't treat it as, how can I... Just play around with it. Like You might not even want to use it, and that's okay, too, but not using it because you're afraid or not using it because um, of whatever limitation you put on it. I think that's a mistake. I think that's the thing that I don't see the limitations. I see the opportunities, and, and the opportunities have were there um, when I got into wedding photography, and the opportunities have been here uh, when I'm working with AI now. And I, I don't think anything has changed. I don't think anything I'm doing now is... I have the same approach to this as I'd have always had doing anything. There's also okay to to just experiment. Like I said, I take yeah. days here. I said to my wife, permission. I am going to, to experiment. I am giving myself permission to just sit and experiment for three days. I'm not going to do anything that's maybe going to sell or do anything. I'm going to learn. I'm going to teach myself a new software. Like I've done that. Like I'm going to learn Blender. You know, I'm just going to. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm going to use it, but but just if you think everything has to have an application in what you do, that's a mistake too. It's like personal work. Personal work should just be stuff that you're having fun with or whatever. Like if you shoot personal work because you think that's going to help you some way, then you're doing it wrong. You know, like you just have to not put constraints on everything. Just um, let yourself be free uh, to play. But then also, like, by doing that, you're going to f- then have ideas that you can use and implement all that stuff. And I think that's the thing. Figuring out beforehand sounds fun. <laughs> it's the difficult thing is figuring out, and you do that by playing. Um, when you don't know, you can't just wait for inspiration to come. That's the other thing that people, that I've learned, and I know the advice, because I want to write a novel. I say that all the time. And I've read every fucking book on novel writing. And if, and they come boils down to one thing. They say, sit down and write the fucking thing. And it's like, oh, I don't want to know. I don't have any inspiration. I don't know. So you sit down and Just you... Just do it. Them. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. Very no, nice. That's, that's a good word, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Jonas, before we land this plane, what... Uh, okay, so Print Shop, it opens back up in February. Is that the next one? Well, so here's the... That's another <laughs> whole episode... The problem was that uh, I had the printer open 24-7, and what happened was that we sold so much that uh, 
we were in all phases of distribution, production, returns, uh, and I I was just a manager of the print shop, and it turned out that the same thing you got into just logistics of handling shit. So now I have the print shop open for two weeks, and then I close it, and then I produce, and then I distribute, and then I do shit all where I'm just floating around, playing around. So I've, I've created phases in my creative life. Uh, so because of that, the print shop is only open three times a year, and that's next, last time was in September, and next time is in February. So okay, that's why. So for our listeners, they need to follow you on Instagram and look for the stuff coming out in February. My name is Jonas Peterson, and I have two accounts on Instagram. One is for wedding photography, and then there's Jonas Peterson underscore AI is my AI account. Um, yeah, both are amazing. Both are totally worth the follow. Jonas, dude, thank you so, so much, man. Yeah, been a pleasure, I mean, man. This is awesome. I mean, this is, uh, man, it's it's good for everybody else, but dude, it's so good for me. Like, <laughs> hearing you speak is just, it's so good for me to 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 know that uh, even, even on the level that we're at these days, man, sitting sitting idle is where art dies and it is cool to see you continue to push forward so thank you so much for for just the courage to to keep to keep inspiring people thanks for showing up in photoco and for for being engaged in there um man it just means a lot so my pleasure